0: August 4th, and I am really having a good time. I am down at Seabrook Seabrook on the Pacific Ocean here in Pacific Beach. It's this incredible little town that is really neat. I am in the nicest house you've ever seen, and I'm about to give a garden talk right after the show ends. I'm going to go give a garden talk. Then we're going to have a big picnic, and then we're going to go on a... Big tour of all the gardens with all the people staying or living here. So uh, I am quite excited about that. And uh, last night I had a wonderful, wonderful time and want to say hi to all you folks I saw at the Clarice Eye Center at their 50th anniversary fundraiser party. uh, They raised money to uh, help support the Mission Gospel Center. They have a vision clinic they do for homeless people and things, so it's a great cause. And uh, today I know over there they're having a big car show, and that's to raise money to help fight cancer. So lots of good things going on. I talked to so many of you people. I was a judge in the food truck contest last night, so... uh, there were four food trucks and I had to order something from each food truck and then rate the food. And at the and there were four of us judges, and at the end, uh, I don't know who won because I was off to it. Someone <laughs> announced it. But uh I I'll bet you it was that taco truck. That was the best. I had the vegetarian burrito. Oh la la. I dreamed about it all night long. The problem was by the time I went to four food trucks and everything was really big that you got, they almost had to wheel me to my car in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I could barely walk. And then when you know, when I got back to the hotel, they gave me a beautiful chocolate chip cookie, which I had to eat. You can't let food go to waste. It's really important, you know, so... <laughs> So I'm still full from last night, but, boy, was that fun. So everyone that went, thank you so much. It was just wonderful. And uh, so, hey, I want to let you know I'm going to be a busy boy after today. My next talk is Thursday, August 9th at 1 p.m. at Far Reaches Farm. So that's in Port Townsend on Hastings Road. If you haven't ever been there, it is an unbelievably cool nursery Sue and Kelly that run it are really good friends of mine, and I just think they're the coolest people. And I'll be giving away a lot of really cool, rare, and unusual plants. Sue and Kelly go all over the world collecting seeds from uh, really super rare plants. And uh, so they grow all these things, and they pay me with plants. So I'm going to have so many cool plants in my garden soon. <laughs> I don't know how I fit them in every year. So I'm looking forward to seeing lots of you there. That's Thursday, August 9, 1 p.m. And then next Saturday, August 11th I'll be at the Grange. I love the Grange store in Issaquah. It's on Gilman Boulevard, and I always get a really nice crowd there. And they let me give away lots of cool plants there, too. So we'll have a lot of fun. That's Saturday. So, you know, whenever I give a talk on Saturday, except for today, because I'm, I'm actually doing this radio show on my iPad from Seabrook, believe it or not. So isn't that cool? You can do that. So, um, so anyway, I'll be at the Grange at two o'clock because I'll be doing my radio show and I got to drive to Issaquah. So that's next Saturday and next Sunday. If you want to see my garden, and you'll be seeing all those new plants I brought back from Far Reaches, if I manage to get them planted, uh, finding a spot for them is a challenge. Uh, Then on Sunday, August 12th, if you're a member of the Northwest Horticultural Society, you can go to the Meet the Board Tour, and there's a whole bunch of great gardens on this tour. It's totally free if you're a member of NHS, so... There's links all over uh, Cisco.com, so you could still sign up and uh, with NHS, I think, and still go to uh, the tour of my house. Because so many people say, "How do I ever get to see your garden?" So it'll be a lot of fun. i gonna have I have some gardening to do this week too. Oh la la! Hey, and um, all right, let's see. I'm just gonna tell you one more thing. And that is there's a big invasive bug workshop uh, coming up, and it's focused focusing on the brown marmorated stink bug and other invasive stink bugs that are moving into our area and uh, this is really a good one to go to if you're a master gardener, if you're a pro gardener and you want to you know help people with their garden. This would be a really good one to go to um, home gardeners, you know, and I'm going to be there, I'm pretty darn sure, and growers. So uh, I'm just trying to see when it is. It's on Friday, August 10th at Highline College in Des Moines. So uh, Mary's got it all over our website, so you can uh, click on the link to see what the workshop's about. Or you can register in there. I can't remember what it costs, but it's not that much. So uh, I think that would be a really good thing to go to. Hey, there's two other things I want to tell you about before we take a break quick. And that is that uh, I'll be on New Day next Monday at 11 with Margaret Larson. I just love that woman. And I'll be talking about hen and chicks this week. I know you think you know everything about hen and chicks, but you might learn something new (laughs) and something really fun. So, you know, that new news show on King five, it's called take five, but it's on at four o'clock. Well, uh, it's kind of a different show. It's made for streaming and all kinds of things. So anyway, Chris Cashman came out to my house and we did a few things and, uh, I'm not sure when they're all going to show. That's the only thing. I, I haven't been able to get a hold of Chris to find out, but I did one about gardening with dogs and uh, my puppy Izzy starred in it. So you got, you don't want to miss this for anything. <laughs> so it's out at four o'clock on, uh, during the week on King 5, but I don't know which, when I, I yeah, I won't be able to tell you. So you're just going to have to watch every week because you don't want to miss this for anything. I can't wait to see it. I know that. <laughs> All right, since I have one more minute, I'm going to say one other thing. So you think deer are a pain in the kazutski? Well, let me tell you, you probably heard that story of what happened in Boise, Idaho, I have given talks in Boise, Idaho. There are some of the finest gardens you'll ever see. There's more millionaires per capita living in Boise, Idaho, than any other city in the United States. I learned that last time I was there giving a talk. (laughs) Well, you know how you rent goats and you have them eat all your blackberry and everything? Well, somebody was renting a lot of goats. They had like, and what they do over in Boise, they have the the goats eat all the the kind of brush that could catch fire easy, and it's a way of protecting your home and landscape against wildfire. And uh, so, somebody had rented over a hundred of these goats. They escaped. Somehow or other, one chewed its way through or something happened, and something like 120 goats went on a rampage, and they're kind of, they're herd animals, so they all went together <laughs> and just went like a gigantic lawnmower through all these gardens, just walking down the street eating everything, Japanese maples, whatever was in the way, gobbled them up. And the guy that rents out the goats is sitting at home listening to the radio, and he hears about 100 goats. He's like, that wouldn't be like mine, would it? Oh, la, la. (laughs) So he jumped in his truck. He's got a truck that holds 200 goats and went and got the goats. And uh, I got a feeling he's got a few uh, legal problems on his hand right now, but uh, I'm not sure. Hey, listen, I'm flying solo today. So uh, I hope you'll give me a call. I do have some fun emails with me, but it's always fun to get phone calls. So uh, and it's been so nice out for gardening. I hope everybody's been out gardening with its cooler weather. It is spectacular here on the coast. I'll tell you that much. So the number is one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six one triple eight nine seven three. Cairo, hey, we'll be back after this on 97.3 Cairo FM. Here's Cisco. Oh, la, la. So I'm broadcasting live here at Seabrook on the Pacific Beach, and uh, it is just like crystal blue out there. I'm going to go for the longest walk on the beach anybody's ever seen today. Hey, I'm uh, going to talk to Steve in Seattle right now. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Hey, Cisco,
1: thanks for taking my call. You bet. About 15 years ago, I planted some black bamboo in an above-ground planter against my back fence um, as a privacy shield between my house and the house in back of me. And it took off, and it's done really well, and I love it as a privacy shield. Well recently a new owner uh... bought the house in back of me and discovered that some of it had gone under the fence and had sprung up in his yard well, i tried uh-oh. to do everything i could to contain it but clearly it wasn't enough um, he obviously wants me to do something about it and i'm willing to do that um, i've heard about this stuff called uh, polyurethane bamboo barrier um does that stuff work and uh could you tell me a little bit more about it?
0: yeah, bamboo barrier does work it's about it's about three feet wide, so you gotta it's a lot of work you gotta dig a trench all the way along the whole length of your bamboo uh hedge and then uh put that in and it should be sticking at least an inch above the ground now. Unfortunately, that's not the whole story. Because uh for one thing, now all that bamboo that's in your neighbor's garden, that's all got to get dug out. Otherwise, it'll just it'll just keep proliferating over. Yeah, there. we
1: plan to do that.
0: Okay, good. So once you put that bamboo barrier in and and if you can put it if it's possible, put it about a foot in from your property line. I don't know if you'll be able to do that. If you can, then what you could do every spring and fall, you got to walk the bamboo barrier. you got to walk the whole thing because what happens is the bamboo, uh, those little uh, rhizomes are, you know that are moving towards your neighbors, they'll hit the bamboo barrier and they'll jump over it. So only a few do that, and all you got to do is cut them when they do that, because bamboo has to live in your neighbor's garden for a year before it'll put out roots and start a whole new colony over there. So if every spring and fall you cut any of the roots that are trying to jump that barrier, then that uh, that'll put the Elkhavatsky on them spreading along on the other side of the border there you know
1: (laughs) okay great thanks is there any danger of the rhizomes going underneath the bamboo barrier
0: well it is possible but it's unlikely if you put it the whole three feet deep usually what happens now this and it can it can happen so usually what happens when you dig down you'll dig down and you're going to hit hard pan and it's yeah. usually not that deep down there. And then you're, you'll are you be cussing away as you dig through the hard pan to try and make sure you can put the bamboo barrier all the way down so only an inches above the ground. But the thing is that the hard pan stops bamboo. It is never going to go down into the hard pan. So as long as your bamboo barrier goes down into some hard pan, you can fill in around it down there when you, you know, backfill with the soil. As long as uh, it is anchored in, uh, you know, hard pan, there's no way it's ever going underneath that barrier. But if you have really sandy, deep, sandy soil, yeah, then it's possible it could go underneath. That's a really big problem. If you got that, and I'm hoping you don't, even though it's wonderful to have such great soil like that, if you have that, then you're almost forced to have an open trench behind your bamboo so that you can dig a pretty deep open trench and then you see any rhizomes that try and go through it and you cut those off as they try and go through. You don't even put the bamboo barrier in if you do that. And okay. uh, you well, gotta have, have that go I have pretty typical, darn deep. Rocky,
1: terrible Seattle soil, so I don't think that'll be a problem.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're gonna have a problem. And I'll tell you one quick, quick story too that's kind of interesting. So black bamboo is so beautiful, but it is a running bamboo, and we had it. We have a. I used to direct the grounds care at Seattle University, and we had a really nice Japanese garden over there. It had been let go a bit compared to the days when Fujitaro Kubota put it in, but it's still wonderful. So we had this black bamboo, and I always thought, why doesn't that black bamboo run? Because there was nothing to stop it. It was just sitting there, and it, the clump, it just stayed like a clump, never moved. And uh, so one after a while... I hired a new irrigation guy, really a terrific irrigation guy, that made Seattle U's irrigation system work so well. But he did one thing. He he noticed that somebody had plugged one of the irrigation heads that squirted water on the bamboo. He replaced the head. Holy cats. That bamboo, somebody at Seattle U was so smart back in the old days they knew that if it never got water, it wouldn't run. The minute that we started watering it, it took off like uh, the Russians going into Ukraine, you know. It was just <laughs> horrible. So <laughs> We had a real problem on our hands. Uh, very funny. Yeah, so I've got clumping bamboo, and I don't want the clump to get too big, so I... Uh, I've got a trench around it for what, because I have so many cool plants next to the bamboo. I don't want it to overrun them, and uh, but I try to avoid watering that all I can. You get you get a little dieback of things because you know it gets pretty dry sometimes. But uh, if I don't water it too much, the clump is a lot slower at expanding and getting bigger. So that might help too a little bit.
1: All right. Thank you for all the information. Appreciate it. Love listening to okay.
0: your show. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. Much appreciated. See you, Steve. Okay, Bye. every okay, everybody. We're gonna uh, Tiffany's gonna come in and let you know what's going on in our community, and then I will be back. I hope you'll give me a call on 97.3 Cairo FM. Oh, hey, we're back, and, uh, hey, we didn't get any calls during the news, and I know everybody's probably at Seafair today, <laughs> but, uh, if you do want to call in, you'll get right in, and, uh, Brian will let me know, uh, somehow he'll have to just tell me, and then we'll know you're there, and I'll put you on the air, but I did get some, uh, very interesting emails today, so I'm going to do one of those right away, and, uh, so Sandy wrote me an email and said, uh, I want to spray neem oil on my rose. So uh there's two reasons that you would spray neem oil on your rose. And just in case you don't know what neem oil is, uh uh the neem tree, that's the common name for this, as a tree from India, uh what happens is it has fruit on it. And uh, they squeeze the fruit to get a vegetable oil that uh, you could spray on your plants. And they've been doing this for thousands of years in India. And so that vegetable oil coats things like aphids and kills them. And it'll also kill that, that horrible little sawfly that attacks rose that's on the bottom of the leaf. It's got a dark green head and kind of a see-through green body. They're teensy. You can't even see them when they first start. They're the ones that are gnawing those little holes. They do window panes so you can kind of see through the leaf and also put lots of little holes in the leaf, make the leaves really ugly. So that'll zap those guys too. And, uh, but you can also spray neem oil on your rose to stop black spot. So black spot, that fungus disease, if you see that you're getting some black spot. If you pull the leaves that have it off, because they're going to sporulate, you can't cure those leaves once they have it. So you want to pull those leaves off and, uh, you know, just get rid of those. I don't even put them in my compost pile. You know, I throw them in the garbage. I just want those out of my garden. And then I spray neem oil on there pretty good under the leaves and over, then uh, any spores that land on those leaves will be killed before they invade the leaf, and you can stop black spot from getting in, you know. Once, you know, if your whole plant has black spot, it's way too late. you got to do this the minute you see the first signs of black spot, where those leaves turn kind of yellow and you get the spots. So... so, but what Sandy wanted to know is, is that going to kill any beneficial insects that are on my plant? Oh, la la, they sh- it sure is. It can kill ladybugs. So, uh, you know, if, and a lot of people don't know what lady beetle larvae look like, ladybug larvae, usually. They're kind of orange and black, and they run kind of fast. they look like a little slug or something, but they got six legs if you look close and so uh and of course, we all know what ladybugs look like, but there are a bunch of other beneficial insects, and some ladybug larvae there's some that are covered with white powder and they're teensy white things and uh, If you didn't know what they look like, you'd never know. It's called the Ashen Ladybug and they eat mainly mites and uh they eat uh spores, believe it or not. So anyway, what I always do before I spray neem oil is I take a good look at the plant and see if I see any unusual little critters on there. You know, I know what most of the beneficials look like, but even I probably don't know them all, you know. And so if I see that there's a whole bunch of lady beetle larvae on there, I'm either going to, you know, take them off by hand. If you just got a few, you can cut the leaf off and put the leaf on another rose. You're not going to spray, you know, and they'll go eat aphids and things. And, uh, but if you've got gazillions of them on there, well, you know, I don't know. I, I might try and pick them off by hand. I'm not going to spray any plant that's full of beneficial insects. I know that because it will kill the good guys. So just so Sandy, sorry to have to tell you that, but that's the that it will kill good guys. So, but it's a wonderful thing to have because it does zap those horrible sawflies flies that uh, chew on the bottom of the leaves. And sawflies are in the bee family, but they're not good guys. They're bad guys. They chew the tweedle out of our plants. Oh, I hate them. Okay. Hey, I'll give you another email I got. This one's from Jean. And Jean wanted to know, uh, I really want a madrone tree for my garden. She said, I can't find anywhere to buy a madrone tree. So uh, she said, there are some coming up uh, in uh, my neighbor's garden. And she said, sure, if you want to take one up, get it. So uh, this would not be the best time to move a madrone. But, and here's the other thing. If a madrone tree is, uh, I'd say, like over four inches tall, a seedling, it's not going to survive the move. Only way you can dig up a madrone tree, Arbutus menziesii, the only way you can dig one up and move it is if it's like four inches or less tall. Just came out of a seed, a seedling that just came up. And that, of course, by now, they're going to all be taller than that, so you can't move one. I guarantee if you try and move one that's over four inches, maybe it's six inches you might get away with it. But really, over four inches, they almost never survive. It's just a waste of time. So if you want to get them a drone, if they're coming up over there at the neighbor's house, let your neighbor know, I'm going to get one next spring. And then keep a real close eye. And in spring, some of those seedlings are going to come up. You're going to spot that seedling. (laughs) Have your shovel ready and uh, dig that little sucker up and plant it exact same depth in as close to the same conditions as you can to what the madrone in your neighbors is growing in. And uh, with some luck, pretty often you can keep a madrone alive uh, if you do everything right and it's little enough. So, And just for everybody listening, you know what kills madrone trees more than anything else on earth is uh like watering and fertilizing them so if you move into a house and there's a beautiful madrone you go oh my gosh i love that i want to take good care of it and you water it and you fertilize it you just killed it (laughs) i know it's an oxymoron it's one of those weird things but you know they're a native tree they're used to exactly what mama nature gives them they live in just like uh our earlier caller said that rocky kind of nasty soil that's what they like uh you know they hate clay they like that kind of rocky hard pan and they grow in that there's hardly any nutrition in there they only get the water mama nature gives them and uh so you know once you replant that uh, madrone you got You know, you might have to water it to get it established after you move it in. You're probably going to have to do that. But hopefully it'll be in spring. Mama Nature will be watering it. After that, you don't water it anymore. You never fertilize it. You don't, uh, you know, walk around by it. And don't talk to it unless you have really interesting stories. You can bore them to death, too. (laughs) Okay. Hey, listen. I hope somebody will give me a call. One triple eight nine seven three Cairo. One triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. We'll be back on ninety seven three Cairo f f m FM after this. Hey, and we got a couple of calls during the break. So, uh, hey Brian in Covington, welcome to the show. Hi,
2: Cisco. Hi, Brian.
0: Uh, couple of questions couple of questions on
2: my roses okay um i believe you said earlier with the with the neem oil that if you you catch the yellow leaves with the black spots on it early enough that you can use the neem oil
0: yeah what do looks you really good. what
2: do you do if it's past the initial stage
0: yeah, that's a real pain because now you got all your leaves are yellow and They got black spots. You gotta. You might as well prune it back, or at least take off all the infected leaves. Then spray. I, I whatever have been pulling
2: are. off the, the infected leaves.
0: Good. Then spray whatever isn't infected, but you'll have to keep an eye. Some may be infected; it's not showing yet. You want to get those off. And spray with a neem oil, and I would probably spray again a week later, and pretty quick. Now, uh, fertilize your rose and water it. Keep it well watered. It should come right back. It's it's getting late in the season, but you should get one really nice, pretty bloom out of this thing in early September. So I would... Yeah, so don't trim it too hard, but mainly get all the old cruddy leaves off and uh, get a spray on there, and then spray it again a week later. You might do it another week later because you're going to have a lot of new succulent growth coming up. And try not to let the leaves get wet, whatever you do.
2: Don't wet?
0: Try not to let the leaves get wet. Oh, yeah, right. Yep. That'll help. Um,
2: the other thing is, when I cut it back this spring, I was way too conservative, so it Gosh. got really leggy, and the only even leaves that I have and blooms are on the top uh, are on the top half of the plant. Oh, is yeah. it too late to cut them back?
0: It's pretty late to cut it back hard now. You could, you can do it. You may, you might sacrifice that late bloom that you would have got in uh, August, though, in September. So it's kind of a hard choice. Uh, If it were me, I might, you know, prune lightly, you know, definitely deadhead the tweedle out of it, hope for one more bloom, even though they're going to be up there in the stratosphere. (laughs) And then. Next spring, chop the tweedle out of that guy. You know that some years on my roses, I prune all the way down to that graft union. Everything right to the graft union. And eight I actually counted how many uh sprouts grew out of my graft union on one of my roses. <laughs> Twelve billion seven hundred and forty two, you know. <laughs> So you could pick well, the ones you far, want. To keep how far it.
2: off the ground?
0: Well, that I, you know, you can if there's no graft union, you could cut down to six inches easy. If there's a graft union, you know, you just you don't want to cut below the graft union. Whatever you do, because if you do that, you got a whole different rose than uh, the one you bought. So
2: <laughs> how do you tell if there's a graft where the graft union is?
0: There, sh- there should be a little bump it kind of, it's a little round ball, kind of looks like a little golf ball down there, something like that, okay, okay, I so, will look uh, for that, yeah, look for that, and make sure you keep that, but some roses don't have that, so if they don't have it, you can cut them way, way down, and uh you know that, and they'll come back the same rose that you got. you're better off not having a craft union, but that's a rare thing. So look for that okay. next spring, right March first, prune the tweedle out of that guy. Okay. Even you got even it. if it's even if it screams for mercy, be ruthless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Cisco. thank you very much.
0: All right, thanks, Brian. Well, I think this show is uh, getting pretty close to biting the bullet right here. (laughs) So, Stephanie, I know you're on the line, but I don't think we're going to get to you because if I give it a try, uh, I'll end up going too long, and I don't have a clock to watch. So, uh, hey, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. I want to say a big thanks to Paul Cavallo for helping me figure out how to do this show from uh, Seabrook. And I'm really excited about going out and giving a talk here at Seabrook in just a few minutes. Hey, Brian, thank you for doing such a great job back there at the studio. And everybody, enjoy this incredible weather we're having. Make sure you eat your Brussels sprouts, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.